0: Hey there welcome back to the podcast of Wednesday's child so you have the company of Sarah and Debbie today hi Sarah hello
1: how are you doing it's, a um, Friday. it's Friday I know it's Friday it's Friday and I've got makeup on so it's clearly really? it's clearly a successful day today I don't usually do the whole makeup on a Friday but yes yeah, so it's going good. to be a good day
0: it's Friday the equivalent it's like what do they call it dress down dress
1: down Friday yep
0: yeah can't be asked to put makeup on
1: can't be asked to put makeup on, can't be asked to brush my hair and I'm going to slob around in my leggings all day. But I've got a dress on and makeup. So it's clearly it was for you in our audience, Debbie. I'm,
0: I'm truly honoured. <laughs> says, says her just sat here in her jeans because she knows she'll <laughs> go out for meetings today. But there we go. Hey, hey. Um, OK, so today's topic, we're going to, we, it's something we've discussed a little bit on Wednesday's Child over the last few weeks, but not got into in any great detail, but we're just going to talk about cost living. And the kind, how does the cost of living crisis sits for people going through eating disorder recovery, or quite entrenched in their eating disorder, and what um, the change in the economic situation for households across the country might mean for people in that situation? And I sense that there will be a few people listening to this going, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah," noticing it already, and then there will be others that think, mm, "Well, maybe not really, because you know my illness doesn't really feel like it's affected by that." So I thought. We'll just explore it um, together and see how you and I can reflect on our own experiences and on people that we befriend and support, and just try and give some, as we always say, our kind of toolkit tips and advice for wading you through, wading your way through what will be um, a challenging time for sure for anybody, but particularly for anyone that's got mental health issues to contend with along the way. So let's let's kind of start on on like let's look at this kind of broader picture we're facing cost of living crisis and everybody out there is talking about the stuff that they're seeing going up in price it's the cost of energy so it's going to cost more to heat our homes this winter we know that cost of food i've seen it i'm sure you've seen it you know just like the household shop there's a few pennies here and you know what your grandmother used to say save the pennies it saves the pounds whatever. You know, there are little incremental price increases all the way along. And all of that was before we got the latest shift that we did from the beloved government that has made people feel under even more of a cosh around things like rent and mortgage payments. So there are certainly huge pressures on people in any kind of spectrum of life now, whether you are somebody just about to start living living as a university student on your own or you're somebody who's an adult with three or four children under your roof and either you or the person you care for has an eating disorder. So it's going to affect everybody. Sarah, like when you think about that, what does it what does it throw out for you in terms of people that you um, currently befriend and support or in terms of looking back at how, if you'd have faced this current economic situation in the middle of your eating disorder, can you reflect on how
1: this might have affected you and your household yeah I mean blimey where to start I suppose I think the first thing I would like to bring up is how this potentially could increase isolation so we have people who we talk to a lot don't we who are on you know in in this whole spectrum of eating disorders you know not, not just one particular type or one particular diagnosis but the whole spectrum of eating disorders many a common thread is that kind of periodic parts of isolation where you are purposefully drawing yourself away from the world in order to keep yourself safe and secure in your own your pooliness and and i think that what this would have done for me was would have meant that leaving the house and anything such as that would have been seen as a treat and i think that word's one that we should explore today the word treat um how you know even just getting the bus into town if I was having to think about the pennies a bit more it would have been a great excuse not to get the bus into town well I can't afford that bus trip so I better stay put Um and I that's that's a place I fear is that and obviously with, with an eating disorder comes all elements of social anxiety so it just allows almost like it fuels that ability to keep yourself isolated perhaps
0: what we know is when we allow that soundtrack of the eating disorder to have a a point and a purpose it eats away us even more doesn't it it becomes the dominant noise yeah we can't yeah. hear everything else we can't hear the friends phoning us and saying would you like to meet in a cafe in town all we can hear is the noise of the eating disorder saying well you see this is even more reason because everything's more costly As any more, even more reason why you should stay at home and why you shouldn't do this and why you shouldn't agree to go out so yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. And you said there, like meeting your friends for a coffee in town, there's another potential thing we might see as a treat. So when I was trying to get over my feast eating phase or my binge eating phase of my recovery, when I was just eat, 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 eat I purposely made myself go out to certain cafes so that then it was almost like it was a fire break of being in the house around the food that I'd been hoarding. So I would go to, and I would always go to the same cafe. I know we're going to talk about brands in a moment, but I always got the same cafe because it was my quote unquote safe cafe. But again, that was really important part of that part of my recovery. It made me get out of the house. It made me get away from the food I was hoarding and it made me eat socially. And anyone who's listened to this will, will know all about my social eating and my crazy ways in which I had to break some horrible, horrible things. I was saying my Ill, illness was saying to my, myself in my own head when I used to go out eating. But again, if you're thinking about the pennies and thinking about things going up, it is likely that those trips out with your friends to have those really important social eating experiments could be one of the first things that goes.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think a lot of what we see with people that develop eating disorders, often for a long time, even afterwards, after recovery, one of the things that sticks around, even if it's not related to the food per se, is the issue with what should i could i spend on myself is a slight sort of obsessive compulsive concern about food and spend um about sp- spending on any on anything so you know do i deserve to buy that new lipstick do i deserve to change my shampoo can i afford to replace these shoes of where the soles are coming off you know just stupid stuff that i i look back on and say that the money became such an angst for me and i can see that then you know that intertwined with well, then can you spend that additional money on something as frivolous as food, which is a treat? (laughs) It it becomes even harder to justify the very things that we need for our recovery.
1: I mean, I'm living through that exact exact thing now. And and I'm about to actually have have to have quite a challenging conversation with my own dad because um, I'm refusing to buy a car. My car's 15, 16 years old. One of the doors doesn't work, the window's always open, it's constantly breaking down. And I travel for work, it's a danger for me to be in that car. Now, I can't afford it at the moment because of cost of living. But up until this point, when I've been reflecting as to why I'm still driving this rust bucket, it's because I absolutely refuse to believe that I deserve a decent car. And it's like, that, so I'm living that right this very minute. So we, 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 when, when we're talking about these things, Debbie, I think it's really important for people to understand that we sometimes can can be quite lighthearted about it because I think we need to be. But actually, we are always coming from a position of knowing exactly where folks have been from or living through things like that already. And, and you're dead right that, that having to find the strength and the, the belief that you do deserve to buy stuff. And then especially, like you said there, food is not something that you deserve. Food is something that you have to have. And we got a really interesting letter in the mailbag, didn't we, about someone talking about in this cost of living crisis, um, how, how can they possibly see food as medicine when other people are going without? Yeah. And I think the really important thing in that is that for anybody in any element of eating disorder recovery, food in some shape or form is medicine. And we would pay for our, we pay for our prescriptions in the UK. You know, if, if you got a prescription, you'd go to the pharmacist, and you you pay your eight pound fifty nine pound twenty whatever it is, and that's the equivalent of you getting a couple of meal deals from Tesco or whatever. You know it it's, it is for many of us it is medicine, and we we have to spend the money. It's not about deserving it. We have to.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that will become particularly difficult when. The media narrative a lot at the moment will be about being really careful not to waste and not to, you know, not to spend too long heating or using your cooker or all those sorts of things. But actually, if heard by somebody with an eating disorder mindset, oh, well, you're basically saying I shouldn't put the oven on every day now because, because you know, that I shouldn't do that. It It's almost justifying the reasons that the eating disorder is allowed to exist because it's not only expensive to buy that food, it's expensive to cook that food. It's expensive yes. to consider it the luxury to go in the kitchen and commit to make something for myself. Whereas we have to constantly remind ourselves that a lot of these things that we read in the media are not meant for you right now. You're the you're the person who needs that medicine more than anybody else. The media aren't thinking about you when they're telling people to be cautious about putting their oven on or to eat their oven chips or whatever, you know. It, it or telling people to not throw away food when there are plenty of people starving in the world. I mean, you know, it is so easy for us to get caught up in that kind of. I don't know. It's just it's that kind of compassion and conscientious kind of yeah. mindset, isn't it, that talks us into thinking that we ought to deprive ourselves and harm ourselves.
1: And if you are in that position where you're you're thinking about right, well the the. Conversations on the TV, the advice we're getting from the TV at the moment, isn't it, is that if it is you are in a real tricky position with your energy prices, is that a microwave and an air fryer is so much cheaper to run than an oven. Mm. So I mean I've just my air fryer is on its way, actually. So it's on its way. But we've obviously I think most people in this world nowadays, in in, in the UK at least, will have a microwave. But I then put a word of caution over that because there are bullshit microwave meals and then there are recovery, wholesome microwave meals. So just have a real check. You know, if you've decided rightly so, it might be the right thing for you that actually the oven, having it on to make a roast dinner all Sunday is too much of an expense. But you're going to do everything in your microwave. Brilliant. Perfect. Just check (laughs) that the eating disorder isn't controlling what type of thing you are putting in your microwave. You yeah. know, because that I think also, I think this is a an easy, easy way that we can be slipping into, oh, well, I best buy that smaller thing because it's a bit cheaper. And therefore, it, it you know, when before you know it, your cupboards are full of bullshit food that is not going to help you recover.
0: Exactly. And, you know, there's still like, I mean, what does it take to kind of, you know, boil that kettle and make the porridge pot in the morning or whatever yeah. it might be, yeah. you know, that... I I think we just have to kind of caution everybody to say, of course, your eating disorder is going to want to say, hooray, I've got another reason to harm you. I've got another reason that I've got another ally here. I've got another campaigning tactic. It's like PR for making sure that eating disorders continue. You know, you've got to really just check in with yourself and say, yeah, but is that meant for me? You know, I always do that. I always do the kind of question-answer thing of when we're feeling low with an eating disorder behaviour, it's kind of ask yourself that question that you and I have discussed before about, is that true? So, yeah. you know, oh, I'm putting on loads of weight or oh, that other person's got more stuff on my plate. And I always say, ask that question, is that true? I think in this case, it's saying, is that right for me? And is that what is that the message I should really be hearing? I think you, know, you need to kind of say to yourself that every time, whether it's because you're absorbed in the news you're debating kind of energy costs and whatever we, we really do have to think that actually taken to the nth degree people with an eating disorder can be already very very physically poorly if we add into that a cold winter where you then feel the need to deprive yourself of heat and deprive yourself of eating and not be reaching out for the mental health needs and support that you should be getting we could be entering a really really depressing time and also, going right back to what you said at the beginning, if you remove yourself off the landscape yeah. of socialising, which is perhaps one of the most fundamental of all, keep socialising.
1: And cheaper food. It's not bad food. I think that's a thing we've got to keep reminding ourselves. So I mentioned at the beginning of this that I wanted to talk a little bit about that brand need. So when I was in certain stages of being pool there was only certain types of things I would eat. So certain brands of bread, certain brands of soup, certain brands of porridge, whatever. And lo and behold, they were like the fancy pants brands. Um, there is nothing better in this world than the cheapest of cheap white bread toasted with a big old slab of butter on there is nothing better in this world. it's the reason oh, why the bread, oh it's the reason why though when you have a baby anyone out there listening who's had babies when you've had a baby they bring in the cheapest white bread and toast and it's the best meal you've had in your life and the reason why they bring it is because it's just gorgeous so if you are if you are worried about food shopping because you know that you will spend £4.50 on a pot of bullshit ice cream then you don't need to spend 4 pound 50 on ice cream. You're buying that ice cream because it's got a certain brand name that is like not actually ice cream. It's just some random chemical. But you can buy a big tub of ice cream in the next (laughs) counter. (laughs) Do you reckon? Do you reckon? Write it in the message of our chat, but I'm not going (laughs) to. But yeah, but... Just, again, that's another thing. Uh, but I, I think use this. If that is the case, if you are stuck with that branding and you have to have a certain type of bread, et cetera, then this is the perfect opportunity to create this as your recovery momentum and your recovery challenge. You know, if you can't afford to buy X brand, then go challenge yourself to get that other stuff. Challenge yourself to make this bigger period of time that actually you're going to embrace the difficulty. Because recovery is all about embracing difficulty. So we're good at that. Embrace the difficulty and choose something different off the shelf.
0: And and actually, you know, if you are in services at the minute and you're working, you know, perhaps not day patient, but you're working with community service eating disorder team, and you're working with a nutritionist. Those are the sort of things right now to be saying to, you know, I'm getting everything you're telling me about my meal plan, but I'm really, really worried about costs. Can you help me navigate through what I might pick as an option that comes in at a slightly less price point? Sit down with them and let them do their work, you know frankly, I am happy for you to email the post bag and say, Debbie, Sarah, this is my weekly budget. You tell me how I get my six meals a day out of this for recovery. And I swear to God, we'll do it because, <laughs> because we have both done cheap and we have both done recovery. And, you know, I'm not particularly pumped when it comes to food. I just know what my body needs if I'm going to keep my brain happy. And, you know, that can very much be, your yeah, kind of cheapy, cheap stuff. And I'm no no nutritionist, but I think recovery is certainly possible at all levels. And we just we just have to be careful about what we're allowing our brain to excuse us from.
1: And we've gone back into this house and onto to a Sunday afternoon batch cooking. So when James and I first got married and you when you first get married, you have no money, do you? Because you're straight out of uni and all that stuff. I got married at 23. Debbie, can you believe it? 23? Anyway, um yeah, we used to have to batch cook on a Sunday because it was the only way we could afford to eat through the week. So we've just gone back to that. And actually, do you know what? It's quite cool. Amy will join in, freezers full of like this, but it's the sib stuff. You know, it's chili and it's bologna- a bolognese sauce and there's a bit of stew in there. And I think there's a lasagna maybe. Um, all parceled up and packed up. But then also that's that grab and go thing. So when you're in a spin and you're in the kitchen and it's a Wednesday night and you're like, oh my God, I've had a busy day. I don't know what to eat. And I can't afford to buy anything. You you know, it's fine. There are things in the freezer. Open the freezer, bang, off you go.
0: And I, I'm a granola themed. I love granola. so And I like to be able to make my own. I love dried fruits and nuts and seeds and all those sorts of things, whacked in with some oats, cooked up with some syrup in it and whatever. You know, it's a stodgy old granola, but it's my favourite mix nice. and I like it. And that's the sort of thing that for me, I take quite a lot of pleasure in making that at the weekend, enough that I've got a bloody great container full that whether I'm at the house or not at the house and out and about, I can portion it up and I can have it in Tupperware and wherever I'm going if I need to, or I know there's enough there that will see me through for a week. And no, I haven't gone to the supermarket. And yes, of course, I've gone and bought the ingredients, but actually somehow it feels a bit more like I'm giving myself a bit of self-love and I've enjoyed being in the kitchen and creating that for myself. It's part of me saying you deserve to do this. It's your therapy. You deserve to invest in yourself. And I, I think that I suppose that would be the other um, other message really from this is that at the very time when we're being told go lean, you know, preserve energy and don't spend more than you need to, all that kind of stuff, we also have to say at the point of where you are in an eating disorder recovery, investment in oneself is really important. And that means investing in yourself financially, spiritually and socially. And that, that is going to cross across, you know, across all spectrums people with eating disorders do struggle terribly with kind of maintaining heat. And so if you're sitting in a freezing cold house, refusing to see anybody and refusing to eat, this can only end one way. And that's in, you know, disaster at a point when we know that eating disorder, inpatient bed units are ever, ever more stretched. So and you want help in your recovery. And, and you know, um, so these small things, just trying to kind of think about how you can maintain the momentum it is really important.
1: And keeping humour about it as well. You know, yeah. that same wonderful person that put that letter in the mailbag asking this question about cost of living and spoke about food as medicine. They finished it on the end and I was, I was laughing and laughing and laughing out loud with, oh, well, at least when I start putting weight on, I'll be able to turn the heating down because I won't be freezing cold anymore. And I thought, get in, you know, go on, sister. It's like that... This is a really challenging period of time for everybody in this country, everybody. There's nobody that's not being impacted by by what's happening at the moment. But an an aging disorder recovery is incredibly challenging and it's incredibly serious. But we also can find joy in life still. And just that little comment of that person saying, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm struggling with with the food at the minute I'll get over that hump I'll put some weight on and then I can turn the heating back off you know it was like kind of I just loved the narrative it was just so sweet
0: yeah absolutely I think it's really important that we're just trying because otherwise at the moment life just would feel so oh just so dire so much wouldn't it Yeah. you're surrounded by that news dialogue constantly it really does feel like the last few months it hasn't been a lot to sort of shout and sing about and you know I'd love to say well we have got halloween and christmas and all those great festivities around the corner that i know some people all want to compromise on those because of exactly what we've just been talking about
1: and we don't have to just always be spending loads and loads of cash as well like you know people understand and this year out of anything people understand you know we as a family have already had a chat about look christmas is going to feel a bit different and not just mean james and amy but like the wider family and um so, you you know, say to folks, you've got a, you've got a tongue in your, in your head and, and go, go to your family, what have you, and say, look, you know I live by myself, or you know we've just moved into a new house, or you know we've got a new baby, whatever. Christmas is going to have to be really frugal, but it doesn't mean that we can't be together because we can still get together. We can still have a lovely time. We can get the games out of the loft. We can watch the Christmas movie. We can get all cosy in front of the fire. Um, but it's just there might not be as many presents to open this year, and that's fine
0: it's the time if you're caring for somebody with eating disorder you know actually now's the time to have those kind of conversations and say what well, you know what what's your gift look like to you and you know for me at the time when I needed to recover from my eating disorder well, there was only one gift that I needed and that was a life without an eating disorder whether I was prepared to commit to it or not it was what I needed and I remember the Christmas not long after I'd come out of an eating disorder unit and I, I was adamant I just didn't want stuff and things I was still kind of wading my way through recovery but I just wanted anybody I saw over that period just to perhaps be a bit more mindful about how they talked about me now that I was Mm. kind of restoring weight but actually fundamentally to be doing kind of you know whether they were physical or just theoretical gifts that were focused on just helping me be recovered in the next year and I had people that gave me like IOUs about taking me out for lunch or taking me out for dinner or taking me to like a London theatre show when I was well enough to do it um, and then I had other friends who knew I really liked um, particular food that they were great at cooking. So, you know, like kind of one friend is just amazing at cheese straws and I developed a bit of a thing for cheese <laughs> straws. It's huge, great box cheese straws. Um, and, you know, somebody else just had invited me around for her family's, um, they always do a kind of family Sunday dinner the week before Christmas. And I went around and kind of participated in that and was doing cracker pulling with another person's family and and that for me was way more of an important gift than opening 10,000 small items of you know Marks and Spencer's knickers on the day.
1: (laughs) My uh, one of my it was what wasn't the Christmas I came out of services it was the Christmas of like when I'd so it must have been 2019 when I'd Started like my real year, real recovery, and my best mate got me. Um, she made me a little pack of date night tokens. Oh. And bear in mind, at this point, I'd been in an inpatients for seven months. I'd been in day service all the time. You know, I was not dates were not happening in this household. And she got, and it was like there was. I think there was ten in there. So over the course of that next year, it just gave James and I an excuse to. You know, she would come and just sit with Amy and the dogs. That was all it was. Um, But we we went the cinema and we went. I think you know we went to the pub. Didn't ever do anything fancy. But that was such a thoughtful gift, you know, to to help me reconnect with my husband, but also remind myself of the person that I can be and could be and wanted to be again. Knowing that my little girl and dogs were safe at home with my best friend.
0: That's amazing. There are cheap options to do all of these things, aren't they? Even if it's kind of you know. I, I don't know, sort of wearing your North Face jackets and going other um, winter... Other
1: brands are available. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: you know, snuggling up, hand in hand, going for a walk and taking some kind of blasting picnic. And, you know, whether you're ending up sitting in a car having it with a rug over you or whatever, then fine, do it that way rather than going to a Ponty restaurant. It'll probably mean more and be more memorable. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah. And the big message, I think, in all of this is you've got to keep eating. and that is you know I know that everything in your head screams at you saying that that's silly no we don't need to but if you're in eating disorder recovery you just have to keep eating and
0: it just everything elevates from that you know how you feel about yourself how your brain fires how you're able to go about your relationships your working life your education life and just the mood and momentum with which you have to continue that recovery so it is it's kind of an upward trajectory when you start to restore and and recover yeah so i hope that's helped it's in a way it's kind of quite a bleak topic but hopefully a timely one for us to talk about ahead of the winter period and as we sit in the midst of all that's going on politically uh, obviously just like our other um mailbox contributor did please feel free to send your um, stories in of how you're getting on and. Let us ask your specific, um, you know, look at your specific questions and, and cases. And also kind of, as we say, we're very happy to give you new aids for your toolbox or suggestions for how you might go about things. or just tell you the way that we did it, which we're never saying is word perfect. You know, we know we stumbled and got some stuff wrong, but, you know, we got there in the end. So, okay. If you want to get in touch, once again, the email address is hello at Wednesdayschild.co.uk. As ever, do please follow us on social media. You'll see we've got lots of different things happening right now, some collaborations we're doing with other organisations and some really interesting contract work we're doing. So get in touch, tell us what you're thinking, tell us how you're feeling about your own recovery and really be part of the conversation. Thanks again and we will join you soon for another episode of the Wednesday's Child podcast. Take care for now.